Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning and welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. We are live here on ESPN Tucson. It is 8.02 on your Tucson Wednesday, January the 26th, 2022. If you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490 or on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which you can be fi- which can be found on uh, ESPNTucson.com on our website, regardless of how you're tuning in, I appreciate you listening to the uh, Jeff Dean Show and choosing to, uh, to get your sports news, opinions, and entertainment right here as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Now, you can join us at ESPN Tucson here. We invite you to come down and check out the FC Tucson party tomorrow afternoon. <clears throat> Pardon me. Tomorrow afternoon at Puebla Vida, which is downtown at 430, for the U.S. men's national team game. The game will be shown on site Come on out and join the FC Tucson ESPN Tucson party as uh, we uh, kick off a little a little football uh, action tomorrow at 4:30. That's at Pueblo Vida downtown uh, tomorrow afternoon. Come on down and check out the U.S. Men's National Team as uh, they gear up for some action. And uh, a little ESPN Tucson and FC Tucson will be on site, having a good time with uh, some promotions there and keeping you guys entertained and watch some soccer. All right. Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voting happens every year around this time, obviously, as the the hall decides to determine who's going to be in, who's going to be out. The voters that are uh, that are looking at the ballot and they get to cast their ballot for which players they believe are deserving to be enshrined in the hallowed halls there in, uh, in at the Baseball Hall of Fame. They inducted one player this year. And it was a first ballot Hall of Famer. You always talk about, oh, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer. Ladies and gentlemen, your first ballot Hall of Famer, David Ortiz. What? Like, is this is this where we've gotten? And I'm not I'm not trying to clown on the guy here. Okay, I, I believe that with the numbers he put up, with the clutch moments that he had, and the championships that he won, he was a, a World Series MVP. Uh, it, dur- during his time in Major League Baseball, he's a first ballot. We're gonna we're gonna put him in there with that that honor of being a first ballot Hall of Famer alongside the likes of Ty Cobb and Ted Williams and Sandy Koufax. I mean, <laughs> David Ortiz, eighty eight percent of his games he played without a glove in his hand. Eighty eight percent of his games were a D- he was a DH. And don't even get me started on that. I think it's a stupid rule. I've hated the rule ever since I learned about baseball and uh, learned why it's a bad rule for baseball. But regardless, okay, David Ortiz was going to get in. Not – I really don't understand about the, the first bound, the whole thing. That's fine. He was going to get in regardless. I guess if – there's there's a, the argument like if he's a Hall of Famer, he's a Hall of Famer. Who cares if he's first ballot or tenth ballot? Who cares? I get it. He's just going to – it's going to be forever like the, he was the first ballot Hall of Famer. And I'm like, eh. Now, the problem is here, it's not with David Ortiz being enshrined. It's the fact that two of the players that were on that list on their 10th and final chance to be voted in by the, you know, by the, uh, the voters, essentially, were, uh, 
were left out, standing outside in the cold, unable to join the hall with a plaque and a bust inside the, the hallowed halls of the Hall of Fame. Those players being Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. So now, we are trying to tell the story of Major League Baseball. If you, if you were born tomorrow and you grow up and you all of a sudden decide that baseball is the game that you like, Major League Baseball somehow figures it out, stops pissing off all the fans by having consistent and constant breakdowns in play and arguments between the Players Association and the ownership group and the league and is able to get their stuff figured out and actually play some baseball consistently and play some good baseball, not this analytical crap that we've been watching for the last five years. You grow up, and 20 years from now, you decide to head on down to check out to Cooperstown to check out the Baseball Hall of Fame. And they are going to tell you the story about Major League Baseball's 150-year history without the the league's all-time hit king, without the league's all-time home run king, without the league's all-time MVP king, and without the league's all-time Cy Young king. They're going to try to tell you that story without all of those pieces involved. You are going to have to walk through that hall and say, well, who's, you know, it's all, you know, baseball, who's, who's the all-time hit leader? Oh, it's Pete Rose. We don't talk about him here. He gambled on baseball. Oh, is that is that bad? Because everybody's gambling on baseball. There's there's rampant gambling all across the country right now. You can anybody can pick up their phone and start gambling on baseball. It's it's real simple. Here I'll show you. Here's my FanDuel sportsbook app. Look at I can gamble on baseball. Yeah, but you couldn't do it back then. Oh, okay. Well, did was he given an opportunity to say I'm sorry? Yeah, kind of. But we don't talk about that. <laughs> okay. Well, what about what about home runs? There's nothing more exciting than watching a home run in baseball. Who leads Major League Baseball in home runs? It's Barry Bonds. He's not in the Hall of Fame either. Why? Well, because we think he took steroids. We're not sure, but we don't talk about that. Oh, well, well here's this guy right here. And, and I read a book about this guy, and, and it says that he tested positive for steroids, but he's in here. Yeah, but he was a really nice guy, so we let him in. I, I I can't do it. I I literally I can't do it anymore. I cannot get behind what they're doing with the Hall of Fame. It is it is clear to me, clear that these journalists who have anointed themselves this power of being the the I, I guess the, the you know the, the the rulers of righteous and morality. In, in the world of baseball, who have chosen to make the news as opposed to doing their job, which is reporting the news. These journalists who have stood on their, on their soapbox and ridden in on their high horse, who have been given this wonderful, wonderful gift of being able to vote on the players whom they think changed the, 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 the landscape, made the game of baseball better, and they are deciding to use their 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 hammer of morality and smite those whom they don't like. Period. It's just about likability. We might as well call it the Hall of Charisma at this point. Because David Ortiz tested positive for steroids. Tested positive. 
for performance-enhancing drugs. There was multiple reports that he tested positive back in 2003 that was corroborated by a story that was done in a clean sweep of Major League Baseball in 2007. And he's now in the Hall of Fame as a first bout Hall of Famer who didn't even play half of the game that he that he that the sport of the, that he played. He didn't put a mitt on his hand in 88% of the games that he played in. And we're going to keep out one of the greatest single baseball players in the history of the sport of baseball because we didn't like him. Oh, sure, they want to parade around like they're not letting him in because of character issues, because he was a cheater, he was a dirty steroid user, which he never tested positive for, by the way. No positive tests for Barry Bonds. Not a single one. Guess why? Because they weren't testing for steroids. Do you know who profited the most off of the steroid era? It's Bud Selig. The commissioner, former commissioner of Major League Baseball, was the one who profited the absolute most off of the boom of the steroid era of Major League Baseball. Guess who's in the Hall of Fame? Bud Selig. Right? I, I mean, let's really just honestly think about this, folks. Now, I know there are plenty of people out there. I have had, I can't even count the amount of arguments that I've had with righteous baseball historian guy, okay? I am a baseball historian. I love the history of baseball. I love old-time baseball. I have read books. I have talked with people who lived through those eras. The, The sanctity in the history of Major League Baseball is like my thing, okay? I am one of those people that is in favor of the unwritten rules in baseball. I do not like bat flippers. I do not like guys who steal bases in 10-run ball games. Okay? These are all little things that people get annoyed by this, you know, these day and age of, of people like me who don't like that kind of stuff, the unwritten rules of baseball. Okay? I'm that guy. But I, you can't watch a baseball game. You couldn't have watched Barry Bonds play. You couldn't have watched Roger Clemens pitch without saying, my God, that is the best player on the field today, the best player on the field this year. You can't. And they're not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Why? Because they were cantankerous with the media. Oh, sure. We can talk about, well, they were were probably taking steroids. Well, maybe, probably, possibly so. Let's take a look at some of the other dudes that are in the Hall of Fame then. Shall we? (laughs) If, if, If you want to bring morality as an issue into it, I've got one hell of a list for you. There are racists, there are drug abusers, there are sexual abusers. One of the sexual abusers was anointed to a point of power last year and had to resign because a very credible lawsuit was brought against him for sexual misconduct. I'm talking about Roberto Alomar. He's in the Hall of Fame. No, nobody's taken that away from him, even though he had to step down from his position in Major League Baseball last year because of a very credible lawsuit of sexual misconduct. There is a litany of bad dudes in the Hall of Fame. Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Fame, Hockey Hall of Fame, Basketball Hall of Fame, 
This is not a, a morality issue. This is not a, a what's right and what's wrong issue. This is about telling the history of the sport. And if you can't walk through Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame halls and see a plaque for the all-time hit leader, the all-time home run leader, the all-time Cy Young leader, the all-time MVP leader, then you aren't doing your job. You are not doing the sport a service. You are doing it an egregious disservice. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to clown on, on David Ortiz here, but it's, it's worthy of making a comparison. It's worthy of making the comparison between the, the guy who got in and the guy who, is not, the guy who was left out. It's, it's worthy of that. I mean, if you, if you compare their careers, David Ortiz and Barry Bonds, it's not even close. If you compare Barry Bonds' career with 99% of everyone who's played Major League Baseball, it's not even close. He is in the elite of the elite in the history of Major League Baseball. And there is a real damn good chance that we'll never see him in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds probably couldn't care less. Probably couldn't care less. He's got his money. He's got his, his, own, you know, his own fame. He's always done his own thing anyways, right? I mean, going all the way back to college. There's plenty of stories about him at Arizona State not being allowed on the bus, had to find his own way back to Tempe. Uh, there's, there's stories throughout his career about people who didn't like him. So we keep him out of the Hall of Fame for that? The Hall of Likeability? The Hall of Charisma? Because that's what it looks like right now. That's what it looks like today. Omar Vizquel. I'm going to throw another name out there for you. Omar Vizquel was, uh, was, on, this, uh, was on this ballot for the, for the Hall of Fame, right? Okay, well, let's, let's take a look here. Omar Vizquel, uh, in his fifth year on the ballot, received only 23.9% of the vote. That was down from 52% of the vote. He was, he was primed and ready in his third ballot to get into the Hall of Fame, 52%. There was a, a story that, was, that came out two years ago of a, of a sexual abuse, a sexual misconduct against Omar Vizquel. And he dropped more in, in that time. The percentage of, of, of voters that dropped him is the biggest drop in the history of Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame voting. He dropped from 52% to 23%. That is astounding. In an unfounded allegation against him. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be taken seriously. Because they should. But you've got Roberto Alomar in there with a very credible lawsuit who has acknowledged it himself, so much so that he stepped out of his position uh, as a member on the, on the uh, senior committee and said, uh, you know, because of, in, in regards to the allegations, I'm, I'm resigning my post that I was given just a few months ago. Omar Vizquel, I, I mean, he and Ozzie Smith are the two best defensive players I've ever seen in my entire life. Period. Omar Vizquel may be the best defensive player in the history of Major League Baseball. And he will never get in, seemingly because of now some report that there was sexual misconduct with a, uh, I believe it was a, uh, uh, like a like a like a a member of the uh, the equipment staff or something in one of the clubhouses. Okay, it's not to be taken lightly, C- certainly not. But 
if we're trying to compare with other dudes in the Hall of Fame, come on, they're not exactly the, the litany of choir boys throughout the halls. Listen, this is, a, this is a colossal failure on Major League Baseball's part. Most people would, would say that, you know, their, their reasoning for voting on the Hall of Fame or, you know, the way they look at who a Hall of Fame player is, is whether or not you can tell the story of that sport. You, can you tell the story of baseball without this person's name? Can you tell the story of baseball without Roger Clemens? Can you tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds? Can you tell the story of baseball without Pete Rose? Pete Rose isn't in there. And look, I, I've been I've been one of those fifty one percent, forty nine percent guys in regards to Pete Rose. There's there's been one rule in baseball throughout its history, and there's no gambling. Okay? I have a picture of the old polo grounds. Okay, in my well, I, I had it in had it in my uh, my office. Things have changed. Uh, picture there, right next to the scoreboard, the largest billboard in the entire stadium, says, "Absolutely no gambling on baseball." It's the biggest billboard in the entire stadium, situated right next to the scoreboard. You can read it better than you can read the scoreboard. It's been a rule forever. He broke the rule, and he was given <clears throat> kind of an opportunity to come back and apologize and stuff, but this was long after his name had been dragged through the mud by pre- uh, previous commissioners in Major League Baseball. He had no choice but to uh, – look, if he had, if he had come out he, he, and said – people were like, just come out and say you're sorry. Just come out and say you did it. Come out and say you did it. Come out say, so years of him saying, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, now he wants to look greedy and say, I did do it. Can I be into the Hall of Fame now? That's stupid. That's That's – emasculating that's taking away your manhood that's i mean that's a lot of things okay it's not just about being a man it's about being a human being and and having some self-respect okay you already you already threw that away by lying in the first place now you're going to come back and turn on that you're going to waffle on that no you just just stay the course you're like nope i you know i've i've made my bed now i gotta lay in it i feel bad that pete rose isn't in the hall of fame but i'm also kind of like you knew that was the rule that's been the number one rule in baseball ever since its inception. Well, ever since the 1918 Black Sox scandal. Okay, don't do it. He did it. Lied about it for decades. Isn't in. I still don't like it. I don't like the fact that he wasn't allowed into the Hall of Fame because of a gambling problem that he had. It's a, it's a it's a serious problem. I I dated a girl for 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 a while when I was younger. Who had a had a mom that had a gambling problem? They had a, they had a company. She bankrupted the company. Like she owed everybody she knew thousands and thousands of dollars because of of a gambling problem, you know. And she it, look, it's a legitimate thing. It is it is as ugly of a of an addiction as drugs, as alcohol, as anything. It is very very sad to watch. I had to go through that. It was it was brutal. Taught me a lot of lessons. Okay. When I you know, I talk about FanDuel Sportsbook here, and I like to I like to to gamble on sports. I do not let it get out of hand. I do not let it affect my life. I certainly don't borrow money from from people or from businesses that I own, and I keep it real playful. Like last night, I played a parlay on some NHL games. I was like, I'm just going to put together four games that I like here. I'm going to put ten dollars on it. Like that's that's literally all I did. It came through. I won. I was really happy to cash that forty five dollar ticket. It was fun. It gave me something to root for as I was waiting for the Wildcat game to start, watching some hockey. Ooh, 
You know, look at this. Yeah, they went up two to one. But I don't, you know, it's not one of those things where it's like a sickness or anything, and I don't advocate for the addiction of gambling. And if, like I, like I always say, at the end of, of all of my promos, if you have a gambling problem, here's how to get help for that. Okay? And you should, because it's, it's an ugly thing. And I feel bad for Pete Rose that he had that type of an addiction. He, his addiction was so bad that he let it affect his, his standing with the game that he performed so well. I watched Pete Rose play. There, there are plenty of you out there listening right now that never got a chance to see Charlie Hustle play. He was the most tenacious, the hungriest, the uh, – there are a, a ton of different adjectives that you can use to describe Pete Rose. He was the most tenacious baseball player I've ever seen in my entire life. And and he started 500 games at five different positions during his time in Major League Baseball. Not only was he the hit king, he was also one of the great defenders and one of the more one of the more versatile defenders in the history of Major League Baseball. In fact, no other player in Major League Baseball history has 500 starts at five different positions. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Like, what are we doing here? Keeping Barry Bonds out because there were rumors that he was he was taking steroids. I got news for you, Jack. Everybody was. I covered baseball very very deeply during that time. During my last twenty two years of of, uh, of doing sports, I was I love baseball. I, I I mean I genuinely I love the game. I got deep. I went I dug real deep into this. Talked to a lot of people. I have friends that played Major League Baseball, friends whose dads played Major League Baseball. Talked to them all. <laughs> when Jose Canseco, in his book, said that he believes that 90% of the league was taking performance-enhancing drugs, I'm telling you that that was not an overstatement. That it, it absolutely was not. It may not have been steroids, but there were other things that guys were using, greenies and methamphetamine stuff. We've heard all that, all those terms before. Do, are, are those are those acceptable and performance enhancing drugs? Steroids not are they not acceptable? Recovery drugs they're not they're not acceptable. I don't know. It's 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 up to these journalists who want to make the news as opposed to report it, which drives me absolutely nuts. And now we're going to have to deal with a Hall of Fame that doesn't have Roger Clemens or Barry Bonds or Pete Rose in it, which is a real travesty. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we return. We'll continue to talk about some sports. we got some NFL to talk about. And, of course, this is the anniversary of a very sad date in sports as well. All that and more. Stay tuned. It's the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, I'm going to finish with this on the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame before I move on. I want to talk some NFL today. I talked a little bit in the first hour. I want to continue talking. I have some some Brady opinions that I want to share with you guys. Jason Stark of uh, The Athletic did a really good job of breaking down the five key things that we should be focusing on in regards to this, you know, the, the happenings yesterday in Major League Baseball with, with in regards to the Hall of Fame. He was looking at the publicly revealed ballots from the exit poll and specifically looking at David Ortiz because it's, it's, about, 
it's not about the the new voters that were out there. I mean, and, and look, there, there are new voters injected into the Hall of Fame voting every single year based on the math and based on where Barry Bonds and where Roger Clemens were five years ago. They each had received like 51, 52 percent of the vote. They would need approximately 11 new votes a year from from new people, people that that were brand new and getting their first their first time voting in the Hall of Fame. They would have had to average like 11 new votes a year to get to that 75% before the before the 10th or before the end of their 10th ballot. They received on average about eight and a half. It just was just wasn't enough. Now, in 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 regards to David Ortiz, of the voters who did vote for Bonds and Clemens both in the 2021 Hall of Fame ballot, 90% of those voters also voted for David Ortiz. There was 10% that said he's not a first battle Hall of Famer. you got to play defense to be in the Hall of Fame. We'll, we'll allow him in later, but we're not going to do it right now. Of the voters who voted for Bonds, Clemens, and Manny Ramirez, okay, because now you know Manny Ramirez's status is being brought into effect here because of, uh, of the David Ortiz uh, uh, you know, induction, of the, of the voters who voted for those three, Bonds, Clemens, and Manny in 2021, 93% of those voters, so just a couple of more, that said Manny and Ortiz both deserve to get in. Now, of the alleged anti-PED voters that are out there, okay, who voted for none of them, who voted for, didn't vote for Bonds, didn't vote for Clemens, didn't vote for Man Ram, okay, 62% of them voted for David Ortiz this year, who has a a a positive PED test on his record for Major League Baseball. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, don't, I can't help people. Like, if, if you're not willing to help yourself, I can't help you. And I, I tell people this all the time. Like, if you don't understand this, I can't help you. Like, I've, done as, I've done the best that I can. And there's nothing that I'll be able to do for these voters, and it doesn't matter anyways. First of all, they wouldn't listen to me. Nobody cares. Nobody would listen to me anyways. I don't have that audience. That's fine. Number two, it's already said and done. It's over with. We're, we're, this is all reaction to what happened yesterday. Nobody was given the opportunity to lobby for these guys any more than was the, 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 that's already been done for them. Roger Clemens says, my family and I moved on from the Hall of Fame 10 years ago. We, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't my goal. He said, my goal was to be the best baseball player that I could be, win championships, and now, ever since my retirement, is to be the best husband, the best father, the best person that I can be. And I think that's kind of the way to go about it. And Barry Bonds probably won't do that. Barry's a, you know, he's a different guy. And people say, oh, you know, Barry Bonds is selfish and greedy. <laughs> yeah, 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 selfish and greedy. Let me, let me just paint a little picture here for you. It's selfish and greedy. 1999, baseball is dead. I mean, nobody's watching baseball the television revenues are the worst in the history of the sport. Baseball is dying. It is close to being dead as boxing was kind of around the same time, to be honest with you, because there weren't any heavyweights worth a damn uh, shortly after the 2000, the year 2000. People say, oh, boxing's dead. It has been resurrected. It's doing fine. Major League Baseball is dead in 1999. Two years later, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa have their thing. They do, they do their thing. They're Roger Maris thing. They're chasing 62 home runs. In the middle of, 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 a, of a network, you'd be watching whatever television show you're watching. We're going to go live to St. Louis where Mark McGuire is about to attempt to break the all-time home run record. 
Everybody got a piece of that. Bud Selig got a piece of it. The Players Association got a piece of it. All the owners got a piece of it. Everybody got a piece of that big old cash cow that was being paraded out there, and everybody soaked it in and loved it. If you were that person, if you were if you were someone who loved watching the Maguire and Sosa saga, if you were someone who bought into Major League Baseball following its dead period, moving into the steroid era, then you are also the, among the same of the greed of the baseball players, the baseball association, the owners, Bud Selig, yada, yada, yada. We all took a bite of it. All of us did. So to say that you are higher than someone else as these anti-PED voters, these journalists who believe themselves to be the hammer of morality as it uh, pertains to Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame, I guarantee you all of them took a bite as well. It was exciting. It was fun. And I'll tell you what, if a guy during that era, look, the, the rules have changed, okay? And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I will take I will take the steroid era of baseball over this new analytical era of baseball that we are watching that is putrid. And I mean putrid to watch. It's pathetic. Major League Baseball has become a joke. Like the sport of Major League Baseball. And I hope, I hope that it is a short-lived venture into this analytical, pencil-pushing, nerd era of Major League Baseball. Because I'll take the steroid era, I'll take guys that have stacks of bicep muscles swinging a tree trunk and hitting a ball 700 feet into the air over 26 guys trying to figure out how to put together a lineup card for a losing baseball team. I can't do it. It's, it's, not, it's not for me. I don't enjoy that, and I don't think most people enjoy it either. I, I, people want to look at the what's, the, what's his FWAR rating? I don't know. What, what the hell is FWAR? Why do I care? How effective is he as a baseball player? Is he fun to watch? Sports is entertainment. <laughs> I, I just, you know, and look, I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Big Poppy. He was a joy to watch. But to get in on the first ballot when you don't play defense, you know, and to Edgar Martinez was, a, you know, a really nice designated hitter as well. He never played any defense, didn't have a glove in his hand. He's a lifetime DH. He eventually got in, not anywhere near on the scope on the scale of David Ortiz because David Ortiz is this big personality. So congratulations to the Hall of Charisma on inducting their newest member to their to their Hall of what actually is fame and not great baseball players anymore because that's that's no longer what I consider it because you cannot tell the story of baseball without the greatest players and the greatest players are not in the Hall. Period. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we return. Some NFL news. What is Tom Brady going to do? We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Hey, let's open up the text line again and register some people for those family four-packs of tickets to go see the Tucson Roadrunners Saturday night versus Bakersfield on Star Wars night. We've got a little 10-minute window here that's open. Go ahead and text the word WARS to 68683. That's WARS to 68683. Go ahead and text now. Get your uh, your information logged in. 
We will be drawing winners. We have several family four-packs to give away. We'll be drawing winners and uh, doling those out over the next couple of days. So good luck. Just text the word WARS to 68683. That is for a family four-pack of tickets to the Roadrunners versus the Condors this Saturday night there in Tucson. Good luck. Another Pro Bowl season has gone by the wayside for Tom Brady as he continues to rack up the accolades in his career and moves on from his 22nd season as an NFL quarterback. But after Sunday's season-ending loss to the to the Rams, uh, the, the tone may have changed a little bit. He didn't essentially rule out retirement as the 44-year-old was speaking with the media immediately following the uh, the outcome of the game. He told reporters, quote, I haven't put off a lot of thought into it. I'm taking it day by day. Now, on Monday, he was on the uh, the uh, the podcast, the Let's Go podcast, alongside uh, with Jim Gray. That's It's his podcast. He and Larry Fitzgerald and Jim Gray do that uh, that podcast. Now, Brady said, um, you know, per the per the Tampa Bay Times, he said, "I said this a few years ago. It's what relationships are all about. It's not what I. It's not always what I want. It's what we want as a family. And I'm going to spend a lot of time with them and figure out in the future what's next." He continues, "It pains her, Giselle, to see me get hit out there, and she deserves what she needs from me as a husband, and my kids deserve what they need from me as a dad." Now, to many people, this is probably just a guy championing the cause for his family and keeping the door open, not wanting to make a decision, but saying, look, you know, I have a family to think about here, and all guys say this. I'm going to draw a really, really distinct parallel, though. This is a very, very eerily similar conversation or quote that I heard from one Kurt Warner just a mere few days before he decided to hang up the cleats himself. When he returned home from that playoff game against the New Orleans Saints, the playoff loss against the New Orleans Saints, and when he rolled out left to throw that bootleg pass in the fourth quarter of that game, it was early in the fourth, and got completely crushed, and I mean folded in half by a linebacker that was coming at him full speed as Kurt opened up his chest to release the football and was drilled. When he returned home, Brenda Warner was waiting for him. She looked at him and said, you're done. That was it. That was the conversation. To hear Tom Brady say that it pains Giselle to see me get hit out there and she deserves what she needs from me as a husband? I can tell you this. That is a discussion that has already been had between those two. And if Tom Brady values his life, (laughs) and fellas, married fellas, you know what I'm talking about. If Tom values his life, he will listen to his wife. Happy wife, happy life, right? Listen to your wife and retire. I've seen it before. I've been sitting in a room with a wife and children of a player in the NFL watching the game. I've seen it happen. I've seen that player take a big hit, and I've seen those children crying. I've seen the wife panicking, trying to make sure that she's not stirring up the children even worse than they're already upset. One of, one of the children was confused. 
an older child was crying because they knew that daddy had just gotten hurt. It is an eye-opening experience, let me tell you. It, it changed the way that I view football players. It changed the way that I view, you know, sports big time, you know, as, as far as like fame and fortune and stuff like that go, it changed kind of the way you look at, at the totality of things. Because in the end, they're on, you know, they're on television, they're at work just like we are for, you know, whatever, eight hours a day. And they perform in front of the masses for three to four hours a day, or, you know, three to four hours a week or whatever, depending on the sport, obviously. We're just talking football right now. So for three hours on a Sunday, they're out there for everyone's consumption. The rest of the time, they're working. Like, they're either at work, uh, you know, doing class, you know, you know, film room study, or they're out there on the practice field, whatever. And the rest of the time, they're home with their family. They're doing things. They're, they're setting themselves up for the future. They're, they're establishing businesses. They're working with charities. They're trying to decide which family's house they need to go to for Thanksgiving that year. It, there's a litany of things that these guys do that are just like us. They, they are just like us, and they have the same discussions that we have. The difference is they're on national TV getting crushed by people, putting their lives, their bodies in danger by going out there and playing a violent game of football. It has a major effect on the household. I've seen it firsthand. I've had conversations with players, with players' wives, with players' parents that are watching their son get hurt. It is, it, is a, it is a different world when you get to kind of see behind that curtain. And to dismiss it as, oh, it's just Tom being, you know, being, I, I guess, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what the word is, cryptic about his decision. For, for retirement or not. That is a real decision. And to me, when you hear a guy say something like, it pains her to see me get hit out there, and she deserves what she needs from me as a husband, and my kids deserve what they need from me as a dad, that is a very, very telling statement. To me it is. And I'm going to be honest. I would be surprised if Tom Brady returns for a 23rd season. I really would. Because of everything that happened this past Sunday. And I, it was, people were like, you made Tom Brady sound like he was out there bleeding out of the face and there was blood pouring out of his face. I was being sarcastic when I was like, oh, you got, he was bleeding down the front of his jersey. He wasn't bleeding. He, got, he, had a, he bit his lip, right? You taste a little blood, angered him and stuff. All that was real. But it was, it was a minor little cut. But people see blood. And if you are attached to that person, you know, in any kind of emotional, romantic, whatever kind of way, you have a, a deep love for that person, you see them bleeding, and there's nothing you can do about it to help them, puts you in a very helpless situation, it makes you feel very vulnerable, and it makes you want to say rash things and come to drastic, maybe not possibly drastic, but, but certainly more convicted decisions that maybe you had before. And I guarantee that Tom and Giselle have already had that discussion. Just like Brenda Warner had with Kurt when she met him at the door, when he returned from that playoff game, looked at him and said, you're done. All right. We're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. 
Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Be sure to tune in today from 3 to 6 p.m. Spears and Ali. They'll have all the uh, updated news and such throughout the day, and I'm sure that they'll be doing a tribute to Kobe Bryant as well. As today, two years to the day, when at 9.06 a.m., a Sikorsky helicopter departed John Wayne Airport in uh, in Orange County and departed with uh, nine people on board. Kobe Bryant, his 13-year-old daughter Gianna, six family friends and a pilot headed off towards the uh, towards the Los Angeles area for a basketball game in Thousand Oaks at uh, the Mamba Sports uh, the Mamba Sports Academy, pardon me. Uh, approximately 40 minutes later, that helicopter crashed into the side of a mountain in Calabasas, California and uh, killing all nine people on board. A a tragic day in the world of sports with the the loss of uh, of one of the great NBA players of all time and I remember I had just I hadn't been on the air at ESPN Tucson long when this when this happened. So it was kind of like, all right, here we go. We got tragic news here. Like just a, I, I was I started with with ESPN Tucson just uh, in the early parts of uh, early December of 2019, and um, the 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 talk that morning. I remember the, the following morning because it happened after I had gotten off the air. Um, it was it was difficult because you know Kobe was someone that I was looking forward to getting more from in his retirement. You know, as somebody that I hated, and and when I say hated, I mean I loved to cheer against Kobe Bryant as a lifelong Suns Suns fan. I went to a lot of Suns and Lakers games where Kobe Bryant was a dagger and sent the Suns home in several playoff appearances, and there were times when. The Suns were dominating in the playoffs, and Kobe walked off the court, basically leaving his team, and people were chanting, you know, at him, you know, I mean, that was all this other stuff. He was the guy that people loved to root against because he was so damn good and, you know, so good in big moments that it was just like, God, I hate this guy. But you respected the hell out of him, and I certainly did. And was – Rooting, I found myself rooting for for Kobe on his last game. Remember that game, um, where you know his final NBA game out there, and pouring in sixty points, and it was just like basket after basket, and I'm cheering, and I find myself like welling up with tears because I just can't believe what I'm seeing in the final game of this man's career, and was so looking forward to what Kobe Bryant was going to bring the world of sports in his retirement, and it was cut drastically short by that accident on this day, January 26, 2020, unfortunately for uh, for the world, as he, his daughter Gianna, and seven other people lost their lives in that accident um, on that morning. So I'm sure that's something that, you know, Justin is a lifelong uh, Lakers fan and one of the biggest Kobe fans you'll ever meet. I'm sure that is something that they'll be discussing today. I'm sure that'll be on <clears throat> on the docket for uh, uh, for their topics today. They'll also have some other news, of course. I'm sure that uh, they'll have some NFL news as the um, the uh, the Vikings have hired a general manager uh, in the Kwimi 
Adolfo Mensah. He's going to be the new GM uh, of the Minnesota Vikings. Gronk, I guess, apparently said that if he were making the decision today that he would choose retirement. That's interesting. Two days after the season, he says, uh, no, I'm not playing. And he looked like he was in, in some pain in that game on Sunday. And how much of the, you know, how much of Tom Brady's decision will be on what that roster is going to look like potentially next season as well? He didn't, he didn't come to Tampa to play with no scrubs. Went to Tampa to play with a complement of great players to win championships. So I think that'll weigh in on his decision as well. All right. Well, just like that, it's over. That is, uh, that is going to be it for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all her hard work and keeping me on the air today. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in. I look forward to talking with you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for the next edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tanka Verde, KMXZ HD for Tucson.